Welcome to the Anna's Grace Hope and Healing Podcast. If you or someone you love has experienced miscarriage, stillbirth, or infant loss, this is the place for you. In each podcast, we will explore topics important to the one in four who experience the loss of a precious baby and to those who walk beside them on their grief journey. For more information about Anna's Grace Foundation, please visit our website at www.annasgrace.org. Hello, this is Monica Alley from Anna's Grace Foundation. If you are someone who has experienced a loss or someone who knows someone who has experienced a loss, we're happy that you found us here at the Hope and Healing Podcast. Every day in our community, a family experiences miscarriage, stillbirth, or infant loss, leaving the parents of the baby devastated and heartbroken. But often forgotten are the grandparents who suffer silently on the sidelines, experiencing feelings of helplessness and heartbreaking loss. It's often said that grandparents grieve twice. They grieve the loss of their grandchild, as well as the fact that they're unable to take away the pain felt by their own child. Sometimes grandparents are so focused on helping their child and their son-in-law or daughter-in-law in their grief, they forget themselves to grieve. Grandparents are also often neglected as mourners. Focus is often on the baby's parents and the siblings as the primary mourners, and rightly so, But we have to remember that the loss of a baby is felt well beyond that sphere. We cannot forget the grandparents. So on today's podcast, we're going to talk about how grandparent grief manifests itself and tips for finding peace. I'm very excited to be joined today in the studio by Stacey Galino, and I'll have her introduce herself. What a privilege to be on your brand new podcast. I'm so, so just thankful and grateful to you, um, number one, for Anna's Grace Foundation, but number two, that you have launched this podcast, which I just know was going to be such um, such a such a balm to the heart of so, so many who, as, as the podcast grows. And so I'm, it's, a, it's a privilege for me to be here with you today. Um, yeah, golly, I don't even know where to start. But, but first of all, I am a wife. I'm a mama of adult children. I'm, I'm a mother-in-law. And I'm a grandmother. I'm a grandmother of two children, one who uh, is with us. She will. She just turned two years old, Addie Josephine. Hey, hey, Nani's baby. Mm. And but our first grandchild um, was born still. And in fact, the day that we're recording this, um, his his date of birth would be tomorrow, which would be October. 22nd. So I have a lot to share on this, but it comes from a place of personal experience, but it also comes from a place of, I guess you could say professional experience. So I am, I've been, I am just an old nurse, you know, I was an OB nurse way back um, in the early 80s is when I graduated, I went right into OB, I've worked a number of different places, but experienced um, vicariously in working directly with so many women who were experiencing losses at every single age of gestation. Um, And those were both at our charity facility and also at a private hospital. And then uh, later in life, in the early 2000s, I went back to graduate school and I became a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner, which is how I practice today. And so all of those years of OB, um, the happy things and the not so happy things, um, inform what I do each and every single day as I, you know, souls are brought to me. I don't know how else to put it, you know, as I just try to maintain a, 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 a 
a posture of openness and receptivity to hear the hearts of, of people who have had many types of losses, many traumas, griefs, et cetera, but, but in particular, as we're talking about today, infant loss and what that means not only for the couple, the parents, but also for the extended family and in particular the grandparents. So maybe that gives me a little bit of a, of a place to speak about the topic today, which is grandparent grief. Right. And so I asked you here today, not only um, as a professional, but because you have personal experience with the loss of your of your grandson. Could you tell us a little bit about him? I would love to tell you about him. And I do have my Kleenex. One thing that I've learned, um, you know, as a nurse, you're supposed to have it all together. And then in my family, you know, my family of origin, you are not supposed to cry about anything. And, you know, one of the most healing things we can do is to actually be able to cry. So if I do cry, we're just going to let it happen today because I'm at total peace with that. There's such a healing. It's a gift to be able to allow the tears to flow. So I would love to tell you about John Paul Emanuel. And actually, as I mentioned, his date of birth, his birth date is tomorrow, October 22nd. So we sit here today, Monica, on October 21st. And I'm in the midst of spiritual labor. So um, John Paul Emmanuel was conceived not too, too long after his parents were married. So he was not quite a honeymoon baby, as I understand it, but maybe a couple of weeks later, you know? Mm-hmm. And we were so excited, um, just ex- absolutely elated. And just five weeks after um, my son and his beautiful bride, my beautiful daughter-in-law, who was magnificent, um, they came, so they live in, in um, Washington State. We live in Louisiana. They came home, and we had a reception, and we had a St. Joseph altar. At the, the reception, they announced to everyone they were pregnant. They they renewed their, um, they, they had their marriage blessed here with Father Chris Decker, who is uh, a priest here in the Diocese of Baton Rouge, and very, very, um, just, just a spiritual son of mine. And um, it was a beautiful, beautiful night. And roughly, well, five weeks later, I received a phone call. I was very excited to receive the phone call on October 19th um, because we were going to get some more ultrasound results and maybe see the, the sex of the baby. And the phone call was vastly different. And it was my daughter-in-law very, very upset. Um, and there was no heartbeat. And I know that you can connect with this. You've shared with so many your own heart about your story. And I'm here I am in Louisiana, and here she is in Washington. And my, my dear son is trying to get to her and couldn't. So she, we get that dreaded phone call. I'm being present to her as best I can as she goes through a number of tests. I get on a plane the next day. And we, I mean, the spiritual labor began right then for me. Um, as a grandparent and remembering my role, remembering who I am. Um, and it is an agony to, it's an additional le- level of agony as, as a parent of adult children to watch them going through something you yourself have been through. I myself have had two early losses earlier than little John Paul Emanuel, who was born still at 19 weeks. But I was invited to come and asked to be with her during labor her mom also came. So it was the four of us in this very intimate and sacred time together. And um, there were a few days that passed prior to the actual labor beginning, which was today. So today is the day of labor. And so as I sit here with you and speak to you about this, my heart is um, 
very much in that place, in that place of intimacy, and I and I welcome that. I don't run from that suffering. It is a suffering, but I also welcome it because he is such a gift to our family. So, yes, I call him our little family saint, do you know? And I have a special love for John Paul II, and what a glorious gift for that baby, our little grandson, to be born on John Paul II's feast day. Hence his name, John Paul Emmanuel Galeno, and hence his little hashtag, <laughs> hashtag JPEG. <laughs> so when you, if he's you, a baby of the 21st century. He's a baby of the 21st century. That's exactly right. So I will just say to you that I glory in the gift of my, my first grandchild, and I do tell people about him sometimes. You know, when, when people are, well, how many grandchildren do you have? Most often I do say two, depending on the situation, depending on that person's heart, or if I discern that that would be a good thing for that. Sometimes I, you know, it may be too painful for people to hear about that, or it's too intimate. But most often I will say I have two. One was born still, and he is our little family saint. And then we have Addie Josephine, who came afterwards. So does that answer your question about who John Paul II is? He's our family saint. <laughs> That's perfect. That's he is perfect. hold in the hands of John Paul II and the other uh, other hand of our our Lady and Christ, and he is like, don't be sad, Nani, because I'm so happy. <laughs> you know? Yes, and I'm praying for you because you need me. <laughs> so, well, what you're describing is uh, to this point is very similar to what parents themselves feel. Yes, um, you know you you were talking about how um, you know the the shock of it, trying to find meaning in it. And, uh, you know, wondering how to respond to those questions. Like, how many children do you have? Exactly. I still get those questions. What other emotions did you feel from the time that you you were excited to get the phone call, but then when the bad news came, um, was did, do you think that the grief is the same between what a parent feels and a grandparent, the, the emotions that go along with that? They are definitely, there. there's certain, certainly commonality, but there's definitely a difference. Because there, in my in my case, there, there, the, the level of intimacy when it is your child is something that is absolutely special and unrepeatable in other relationships. So I felt that with the loss of my little children, Ava and Angelo, whom I've named. They were so early we didn't, we didn't know, but I, that's, that's been my choice to give them a name because names are, are sacred, you know. Um, so my experience of that was very different from my experience as a, as a grandparent in large part. Um, I immediately, because I have, I, I guess uh, it, it, as a gift, all of these years, not only of my own personal experience, but also helping other women and men, right, mamas and daddies and grandparents and extended family, at the level of their own grief and experience, and maybe it's even trauma. Do you know there's some crossover between grief and trauma? Um, to really sort through what is my role here, you know, and and what am I called to in this moment as I support my adult children um, and through this. And so one of the, the ways that I experience it it was absolutely grave getting that phone call and I wept and I wept and I wept the not only my own loss but also at what my children were about to enter into and my prayer um you can tell that I'm very much um a very faith-filled woman 
And that has been um, a lifelong journey of um, drawing closer ever to the heart of the Father, heart of God the Father. Um, but what is what is God calling me to in this moment, and how can I remain with them at their cross without trying to crawl on the cross for them, because I can't. And you know any mama would do that. I would, in a heartbeat, I would go through that for them. Absolutely. But that is not, but it's not, we're not, it's not possible, right? So how can I, I was invited to come and to be with them, as I mentioned. My role is to grieve, certainly, and to have my own experience. But in those moments when they need me, it was to take care of them. And that's exactly what I did. And I went into gear. Do you know? And and so I'm not sure if that that answers it, but there there are many, many elements and manifestations to this. But in remembering who we truly are, um, as you know, created in the image and likeness of God, Imago Dei, but also who we are in our femininity and what our spiritual maternity looks like in any given situation. It is a a communion with God as He informs us as we take each next step. Um, so I will I will say that I was there for nearly a couple of weeks with them. We had several days between the the diagnosis of no heartbeat, which was verified, right? And then several days they needed some time to sort of sit with this and pray with this and ponder with this. And um, so I they needed time alone. And so I'm always looking for what it is that the other needs. So it's a gift of self, right? Um, and so I took, I have my own needs, right? So I would get in my car. I found a quilt shop, you know, and I had brought some fabric with me. I have it here with me today. And um, I found these lovely ladies in Gig Harbor in Washington State who allowed, who let me cry and let me sew and let me be. They gave me a corner. They set me up with a machine. And it, when I was leaving that day, um, I believe her name was Nancy. I forgive me. I, I, I would have to look back at my notes. But she, I just said to her, thank you. I don't even know how to thank you. And she stopped what she was doing. And she said, sweetheart, quilters love. This is why you're here. And they really spiritually mothered me. Do you see? So I could put my cookies back in the jar and that when my my daughter, who is my daughter by marriage, and my son called me, we need you to come back or what have you, I was ready to put my cookies in the jar for a moment. And um, it's an intentional detachment and a focus on the other, which is a gift that we can, we were given by God. We can totally do this, right? You're still showing your emotion. You're still showing your sadness, but you are taking care of them. It's a beautiful gift of femininity. Um, so... And that's how I managed that. I would go back to the quilt shop or I would go to church. Um, I went to a toy store. I went and found, yeah, I mean, I, I served. That's what so I did. I think it's important, though, that you hit upon um, the point that you found the time to address your own grief. Yes. In yes. those moments when you were not holding their hands and that's walking right. with them through theirs. Yes. Um, so many grandparents struggle with that, not knowing not addressing their own needs in that moment. Right, that's right, that's oh. right. And I had a need in that moment not to project my own grief onto 
my adult babies, right? <laughs> you know, because they had enough to deal with and they needed, that is the most vulnerable time of your life. And even in the happiest moments, you know, when you're having a baby and all is well, you're very vulnerable, but having had, having been blown out of the water by the loss of your, it's so unanticipated and they're not medical people. They're not nurses. And this was all very traumatic for them. And so I thank God that I was able to be with them as they needed me each step of the way. And they knew I was available even when I wasn't with them. Do you see? So, and that's another difficulty I think is that, um, communication, Yes, like knowing how to communicate your needs to the parents and vice versa, right. having giving the parents permission to communicate what they need in that moment to yes. the grandparents yes. so that those boundaries aren't crossed in a way that could cause trouble down the line. That's right. That's right. Wow. And then, and you see, so all of the baggage that we have before this, this terrible event has happened comes to play in in infinite numbers of ways right because we're all created unique and unrepeatable and we all have unique you know that we have commonalities as human persons we all have our unique stories and our unique baggage if you will and so when we are in so much pain and so raw um, things can really get out of whack and things you know emotions can run very high expectations can go off the rails and just not knowing what to do I mean there can be that all all of that and so much more informs the communication so I what I how I try to help people and how I, I try to live my life is what who am I what am I called to in this moment how am I called to serve? How am I called to take care of my own grief or my own feeling or emotion? And is it appropriate in this moment? All this is like, you know, seconds in my mind. And I try to move forward within that. That that informs my not only my thought processes, but also how I behave, how I act, how I what I choose to say. You know, and I'm also as a woman, right, we're given a gift of kind of reading the room you know what I mean and 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 really being in tune with our children and and um and others hopefully and understanding intimately the burden that they are bearing and not wanting to add to it by our own um need for you know our own grief needs our own emotions and feelings and so forth so it it's it's self it's gift of self you know, versus focusing on myself. And when can I focus on myself? So does that answer your question? I know I got off track a little bit. It does. And they also, there's also a difficulty at times when the different paths of grief are so divergent. That's right. When perhaps the parent is not ready to talk about it, but the grandparent really wants to talk about it because that's the way, that's their path to healing. That's right. Um, So how would you, how would you address that with families that are going through that where their yes. grief journeys are just so different and the paths that they're taking are so different that's right well first of all you can call anna's grace foundation <laughs> but <laughs> and and other places you can certainly email me at stacygalino.com and there's an ask stacy button there i'm happy to to try to help you sift through this so you ask a really good question monica circling back to that you know how do we communicate as the parents who are experiencing this depth of loss how do we in that role communicate our needs as the parents maybe to the grandparents or to other people and vice versa how do grandparents who have our own needs right how do we communicate those either to the parents or to other people and I would say it's a very good question and 
one that needs some gentle, loving, tender finesse here. Number one, remembering your role and remembering the level of intimacy related to the loss. But also, it, you know, there's so many elements that come into play here, like the parenting of adult children, you know, and respecting where you are in the moment, in and who through you are. So if you're the parent, you should, by all rights, in an ideal, unbroken world, we should have the expectation that if we say, even if it's said with a lot of emotion and maybe not so appropriate in that raw time of this is not a good time for me to to talk about this. I don't want to talk about this with you. You know, as a grandparent, if you're receiving this, what and, and you can fill in the blank, okay? It can be everything from very, very respectful to really, really ugly, okay? But they need to have that assurance that you love them unconditionally and that you will receive that and not take it personal and You've probably seen things get really ugly, Monica. I know I have too, because we are very focused on our own needs. And especially in as a grandparent, you just, you receive it. And for me, I take it to the Lord. I take it to church. I will share it with my husband, but also re- realizing the context of it, realizing that it comes from, I'm in so much pain. I'm like so wounded here that I just I can't I have no reserves left to have this conversation with you. So not taking it personally and also giving them that that gift of being able to receive whatever it is and to not retaliate. I don't know if that answers your question. It does. I mean it's a very raw place to be on both sides. Yes. And I think that one of the best gifts that we can all give each other is the permission to grieve. And yes. in the way that we're called to grieve in that moment. Yes. Um, and to to be understanding and to have that compassion and give each other that grace that yes. we need to yeah. get through it and to be there when the other needs us and exactly. to know when it's time that we need that personal space. Sometimes we just need to retreat it, from everything going absolutely. on. And respecting that. And that's that's a gift. That's a beautiful gift. You know, healing is not just like one and done. It's like one day I'm going to turn the corner and all is going to be well, you know, and that's not how it works. And it's an ebb and a flow. And, you know, on the other side of this, so as a the parents recognizing that the grandparents also have needs, their heart is wounded, not only at the loss of their grandchild, but the loss of seeing you as a parent suffer in that way and knowing that really in our humanness, we are absolutely helpless to stop that suffering. That is an absolute sore to the heart and it's an agony that you would do anything to remove and you cannot. And so recognizing that that is going on while they are smiling at you with tears in your eyes saying, baby, I understand. We don't need to talk about this right now. Do you know? So I'd love to, if you want to, I'll role play with you. I'm good with good with role play. <laughs> I don't want to put you on the spot, but no, that's, that's better okay. than, because there's so many, you know, I mean, ways, manifestations of this, you know, so I don't know if something comes to you right now. Well, I just, I remember, um, I, and I've spoken with lots of families over the years. Um, one in particular comes to mind where the daughter felt smothered yeah by her mother yes um yeah she didn't feel like her mom was trying so hard to fix it for her yes that's right but that wasn't giving her room to grieve the way she needed to exactly right and we are going to grieve differently and so i can i have compassion for both 
of those people if we just isolate the mom the daughter and the mama you know we don't mean to as mamas to smother our children but it it is an act of love even though it might have been you know unintentionally distorted right for mama to smother her baby with love that is her baby that isn't a grown woman but that's still her baby you know always always (laughs) yes i'm just putting it out there my babies i'm gonna be 80 years old and they'll be 60 or whatever you know i'm they're my my babies but recognizing that it's a gift for her daughter to be able to grieve in her own way and to give her the space to do that is an act of love. It's an act of mercy. And so oftentimes what I find, it's a zipping of the lip. Do you know? And so what I do in those situations is I use the the advice, this very ancient advice from the third century of St. Monica and St. Augustine and St. Ambrose. So St. Monica is praying for her son, a whole different kind of you know, story, okay, but a loss of a son, but in a different way, right, and she is crying and praying and crying and praying, and she would go to Ambrose, who was a bishop, and she would cry and pray about her son, and he he told her very kindly, but kind of firmly, he says, quit talking so much to Augustine about God, and talk to God about Augustine, I mean, that really firmly implanted in me, and so in also in my femininity, and as I, I, see my son and his my daughter by marriage right I feel like that's more intimate than daughter-in-law because that's how I see her I see her as my daughter by marriage they love for you to mention him but I also know that I follow their lead on that and that I want that for them I want them to have that space of bringing him up or, or remembering him or cherishing him but I want to give them that gift of grieving in their own way do you know, um, by the same token, in the scenario that you shared about mom and daughter. So mom, we're jumping into that role. We're trying to take care of things. We, we go so quickly into the doing. Do you know that we, we got to take a moment and step back? What is it that I'm called to in this moment? And if we remain informed about who we are and what we're supposed to be doing and how we're supposed to be behaving and acting and thinking, and it will help us to stop for a moment and listen to what our child is really, really saying to us. Because I know that it is not mama's intention, right, to smother her daughter. She's just really trying to help. So daughter needs to be able to have the freedom to say, Mom, I love you so much, but I cannot, I can't do this. I need this freedom, and I have the right. I have the right to be able to grieve in my own way, and I need the space to do that. So I love you so much. I know that you are showering me with love, but this is this is the love that I need in this moment. And I'm praying for you. You know what I mean? So so there's there's a, there's a lot more that I could say about that. I hope that answers your question a little bit, but it does. I'd like to focus on next is what are some things that you have experienced of others allowing you to grieve as a grandparent? Are there things that really helped you along your own personal grief journey as a grandparent that were helpful in healing that came from someone outside of your son and and daughter? Oh, yeah. Oh, so many. So, so many. That's the thing that, that God provides. I mean, if we just have the eyes to see, we pray for the eyes to see. He provides. One of them was you know, the quilters 
who I just, I went, I made a phone call first. I went in there. They received me. I went there several times. That was my little haven. Besides church and, you know, just wherever I went, you know, even the toy store, I expressed that I was there to, you know, we had just had this loss. And the woman in the toy store held me while I boohoo cried. So it began from there, do you see? And so just so many ways that that others, um, friends, you know, friends, as anniversaries come up, like I'm scheduled to have lunch with a friend today, there will probably be some tears over lunch. And just knowing in trust that they will give me a moment and they will touch my hand and just be with me in that moment. And then I'm going to dry my tears and put my cookies back in the drawer and eat my lunch. Do you see? So it's just reaching out to people who can be with. Oftentimes, it's not the words. It's just someone whether you know them intimately or not, whether they're a friend or they're a family member or someone ancillary, like, you know, when you go to Walmart to get a card or something like that, if you're having a moment, I have been in the the card aisle at Walmart and lost my cookies. I don't mean to, you know, that's just kind of my word for having a meltdown or, or beginning to cry. And there was a person that just put their arm on me you do you see and i've actually done the same when i've seen someone you know that's something that we can actually do that is an act of love we may not ever know that person's name but just to be with them in whatever it is going on with them at that moment so it's these little things but also in the very big ways i will my husband and i grieved and still grieve over this together it is um in and through our our union as husband and wife but also in our prayer and in the way that we pray together and individually um, t- tremendous support for one another um, and and just you know meeting you Monica too and and becoming connected with um, Anna's Grace Foundation and um, and my work with some other um, important um, nonprofits like Women's New Life Clinic and um, and my nurse friends my nurse friends my my psychiatric NP friends um, you know just surrounding yourself taking note of, of the people that are in our lives who are there, who may not know what to do, but just just give them the opportunity. And they're there to help you along this pilgrimage, really. So what are some ways that, um, what is, what's some advice that you can give to other grandparents when they are faced with this loss? What are some things that you have done for your son and your daughter to help them along their own grief journey um, that probably helped you at the same time. Yes. Um, to help them remember John Paul Emanuel. Yes. Um, what are some ways that, because maybe you can give some great pointers to grandparents out there who aren't quite sure what to say or what to do to make the situation um, a healing one. Yes. So first of all, I would say that not having the expectation that this is going to be over overnight and that that we as grandparents really, you know, th- th- there's there's a pilgrimage th- of healing that goes on really, I think, lifelong. It will not be as intense, right? But the journey of helping through this began on October 19th. Um, and it, it began with, again, I'll, I will just maybe circle back to this, that who am I? What is my role in this situation? What are my own needs? But how can I serve? And to begin from that place, and then it really does inform your next steps. So some of the more 
and I think maybe you're asking about some of the more tangible things that that can be done. So in my home, and I've brought a little bit of that here today. So if you come to my home, first of all, you will be welcomed warmly. And it is a very Christian Catholic home. So there's religious art and beauty because God, one of his names is beauty with a capital B, you know, we're just co-creators of beauty in and with him, you know? And so my home welcomes every single human person. And there are little, you know, I mentioned St. Joseph altar everywhere. So I have little altars everywhere, just little special things. Like as humans, we're drawn to collect beauty and, and special things. So here, for example, I have with us today um, on a beautiful little crystal platter, I have part of the blanket that I made as I was at the quilting store. Part of it is he was buried, he was wrapped in. It's beautiful. And part of it, it was intended to swaddle him in when he was born full term. So I thought it appropriate to bring it with me and I divided it up and each member of my family received one, of course, mom and dad, um, who also have it on a little altar in their home. Um, it still smells the same, you know. It's, the, it's it's it. We're a person. We're people of experience, sights and smells, and and, and things. And so, um, so I remember him. I remember the love with which it was created. I remember who has it and who shares in this. And um, it's it's a tie, right? And so I have certain very special pictures. I have a, a, a blessed candle. I have my son's baptismal. Um, little hat that was get made especially for me by one of my my dearest aunts, and um, just some other little special items that I have that I keep in my home, and that, and that's one way. You know, another way is I have my oldest daughter is and just a, a beautiful young woman and and has such a gift for scrapbooking, and you know when you do trauma work with people like I do, and work with people who have been who are in immense grief, who have been traumatized. One of the things that you want to help people do, in a nutshell, is to tell your story, and it really is very helpful. I, that that could be a whole other show, but I had a stack of pictures, and I was overwhelmed, and so I asked for her help, and so we made a scrapbook and of his story that scrapbook lives with me it was intended as a gift for his parents and it's waiting for them when they're ready for it but for the time it for the time being it lives at Nani and Papa's house and as we approach each anniversary I pull that out and I remember his story and I remember the gift of him and I remember the ways that God invited me to be mercy and love to my my son and my daughter-in-law my daughter by marriage and and surely I fell during some of that surely because I'm human and fallen right but you know you never you, it, it just in as you reflect over that story and of that journey and you realize you grow more intimate in love with your whole family and you realize more intimately the gift of this child who now is you know with the Lord and who prays praise for us who are still down here struggling. So so telling the story in your own way whether it's through art, I love to quilt, I love to um you know do embroidery. I love um I, in my mind I'm a good scrapbooker but I'm not really. You know, so you get help and it was it was really a together gift and um just remembering and our catechism teaches us that as we remember these very 
painful memories that in and through our prayer and our perseverance in prayer that God transforms these um, into intercession, intercessory prayer for others. And so I don't run from, I choose not, I choose to remember, I choose to enter in, I choose to cry the tears, and then the anniversary passes, it resolves, and we move on to live and serve another day. So these are just, um, I'm, I'm a very tangible person. It's the, it's the smells, it's the feels. So that's why I have the little, you know, altars everywhere and the candles, and, and it reminds me to pray. It reminds me to intercede on on the brokenness still in the hearts. When you, you yourself, um, um, Monica, I was about to call you Anna. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to call would you be an honor. See, because there you go. Because we know. I mean, I'm, I'm holding my Kleenex myself. But those tears are sacred. Freedom to know that they're they're a gift, and to allow them to come. And it's often we need as humans to have the tangible. And so, yes, it hurts, but it's also glorious, and it brings the joy, and it brings the peace over time you know healing doesn't happen it's a lifelong pilgrimage so it is and sometimes people really struggle with allowing themselves to have all the feelings that's right to experience all the emotions and they keep it bottled up um i think that it's important for us to give them that permission Yes. Because there's healing in that. There's healing absolutely. in the tears. Absolutely. We don't really, you know, our culture does not see valuable um, the gift of suffering. Now, that, again, could be a whole other, um, who wants to suffer, right? I mean, no, we don't deserve, we, we deserve a break today. What, what, you know, what I mean? We deserve, anyway, the, so, so those expectations really, really don't play out when we have something that happens such as infant loss like this. We can tell ourselves over and over again how awesome I am and, you know, all the all the things, but it does nothing for the ache. So where do we put that ache? And what is it that we're really aching for? You know, death was not part of God's original plan. And so we're experiencing part of the fall in and through this experience, and it hurts to the essence of our being. And so these ways that he has given us as we are unique to creation as human persons, where we can see and we can hear and we can feel and we can have intellect and will and smells and all the things, it's in and through those avenues, in and through communion with God, in my experience, is how we are brought to healing a little bit at a time, a little bit more at a time. Because John Paul Emanuel and Anna Grace and Ava and Angela's life have meaning. They had meaning, they currently have meaning, and they will have eternal meaning. And we are ever more discovering that as we enter more deeply into healing over time. Do you know? I don't know if this is too deep or if it makes sense, but this is where my brain and my heart are right now. As I spiritually labor, though my son and my my daughter by marriage and and my little Ada Josephine are thousands of miles away, I am right there with them in spiritual communion. And I always will be because I'm a mama. That's right. And I'm grandmama, right? Yes. Yes. And the and those those names are so important. Those titles yes. are so important. Amen. And it's important for us as a community to recognize that in people. Yes. Um, especially in those who may not have any living children or grandchildren. Yes. Days like Grandparents' Day oh, can be so difficult. Yes. So and right exactly in that 
you know, feeling out of sorts or awkward or I don't really deserve to go there because I don't really have a grandchild, but I do have a grandchild. You know, it, it really it really challenges us really to think through the essence of meaning of what this loss really is, right? Because in our world that's very split, it's either this or that, that just doesn't work in the essence of who we're created to be. So that's part of the agony of this and part of the pain of this is sorting through that. And with all due respect, we're not able to do it alone as human persons we cannot white knuckle our way through this yes there is effort but it's a cooperation with grace yes now you are obviously a person of great faith yes and in my experience um a devastating loss like the loss of a child um tends to either bring us closer to god in faith or sometimes it can Um, push us farther apart yes do you have any words of encouragement for those who are really struggling with their faith after oh yeah the loss of a baby oh yes and so and you know what you're really in in many ways even though it seems like it's split in that way it's either um, i draw more deeply into my faith or i reject it altogether ultimately what's happening is this push and pull between the two because we're we can't change our creation and that is a real place of agony of you know asking those really really important important questions so for me i I can express to me you know again i have sort of spent years um not growing up really formed in a faith particularly um i'm a catholic convert um after looking at everything everything Mm-hmm. <laughs> over time and ultimately coming because the God worked through me through intellect and my free will, you know, and he brought me and, and to the tenderness in my heart where the emotions and the passions and all those lie. And eventually over time, he's connecting them, right? I found that what is true for me, um, and I just think, believe it's truth um, in, in what the Catholic Church teaches, what the church truly teaches. And so in and through that reformation of my thinking, that has really brought me from a disintegrated place to a more integrated um, place where I can think through these things in and through the fullness of who the, hum- who the human person is and how that informs what I'm supposed to be doing at any given moment, as we've kind of been talking about. So, but what, what you're talking about is a split between either all God or no God, you know, and I get that rupture in us. We all get it. We all get it. It goes all the way. It's not just this, that person or this or that situation that has hurt us. It goes all the way back to the fall of Adam and Eve. So we can think back all the way there. That is part of the agony that we are in this moment today experiencing. So what I do and the way that my thinking has been informed with the very best of evidence-based medicine, y'all, and the very best of authentic science and the very best of reason and theology, you know, we want to run from the suffering. That's, that's the bottom line. That is what Adam and Eve did. They ran from suffering, you know, one of the many things. And it causes us to doubt God. It causes us to mistrust God. It causes us to have other identities of God, therefore different identities of ourself that cause us to run and to try to dominate and control circumstances that we have no control over. And so it ends up breaking us. And it is through these losses that we over time that we try to cope with them through unintentionally trying to control the situation which is a running it can be in essence a running from the suffering ultimately we we come to that place of recognition 
I have nothing. I can't get through this without. So they're, you know, we, we, you're, we're being drawn back ultimately through the both and of this all know God or all God, you know, we're being very slowly drawn back to the heart of the Father so that he can help us piece back together, which is where I have found the healing. I know that's kind of deep, but I help people in their particular situations to sift through the taking that concept and applying it to their particular situation, their grief, their trauma, whatever brokenness that they are suffering through, and to see those places where we are trying to hold on. You know, you hear the term surrender, let go. You just need to let go. Well, good luck, okay? When we're in so much pain, that just sounds like awesome, but I can't do that. And we really can't. We must have. In my experience, having grown up with some of that ideology and have found it wanting in my experience, it is what I have learned in and through the saints and and the church and so forth of how that letting go is a response to a call from God. And it is a give and take. It's a union between I and God that I will spend my life learning. And that is how I am able to get through this podcast without losing my cookies. Do you see? <laughs> so I'm, I'm in, so there's the joy because I'm remembering my baby. I'm looking at his little picture and I'm remembering him. He's right here with me because life never ends. No. And he's, and our babies are always with us. We carry them in our hearts. Amen. Um, until my last breath here, I'll be, you know, always an advocate for Anna and yes. always her, try to be her voice and her yes. hands and her feet. Um, yes. Trying to make a difference because I think that's what we're called to do. And speaking of that, Monica graced me on the Faith and Good Counsel show. Can I give a little, little plug there? Absolutely. So I actually have a podcast. Um, it's been around a while, Faith and Good Counsel. Um, you can find it at my website, stacygalino.com. But Monica privileged me, honored me by coming on the Faith and Good Counsel show and sharing Anna's story. So I'm really grateful to you. See, this is a gift of self. We're both doing the gift of self thing, yes. right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, um, is, do you have any parting words for grandparents? Um, any um, insights into healing their hearts yes. and healing their relationships and um, ways for us as a community to walk beside them on their grief journey? Oh, wow. That's a big old question there. Yep. Yes. Remember who you are and ponder on that and think on that and pray on that. If you are of a Christian faith, pray upon that. Where am I on the rung of the ladder, if we could use a measuring stick, in the intimacy toward the loss and fully experiencing your own grief in this scenario, naming it, naming, I feel sad because my daughter, my son, my niece, my nephew is going through this loss and sorting through it, um, surrounding yourself with people that will allow you to to speak about these things and not rush you along, you know, and you're, you, you have your own grief journey, your own grief pilgrimage with the expectation, y'all, that it is, it is a lifelong growth and development and opportunity um, for healing that generalizes to other areas of your life. Do you know what is the meaning of this loss for me in my role? And where am I in the intimacy of the in relation to the loss? Does that make sense? Um, and and giving yourself permission to take the time that it needs, because we are not machines. We are human persons and we 
are unique and unrepeatable in all of creation. And so we have our own story, our own timetable. And maybe taking some of that to, if, if your jam is writing, write. If you blog, blog. If you like to do photography, if you like to thread paint on a machine or hand embroidery, make beauty and let, let it be, let it be um, a gift in memory, do you know, of, of that baby and also a means towards your own healing. Music. I did want to mention one thing um, in this journey in a final, uh, in a final word here, but music is so incredibly healing. Um, uh, there, you know, I had a, a friend who's also a psych NP who mentioned to me after a loss that, you know, she really got it. And because I sang for a funeral that she attended, I'm, I'm a classically trained soprano. One of the gifts God gave me, um, that I love to use for him. But I sang for a funeral for someone who was very, very special to her. And she, said, oh my goodness, there there are times when words fall so short, you know, we're taught to, you know, say all these words to listen, you know, and therapeutically and to give back with our words in our profession. But sometimes there are no words. And so music really speaks. And as a final word here, maybe just as a bomb to your heart, um, one of the things that happened in in our own story, as I documented with my my son's request, um, little John Paul Emanuel's and Jacob's and Becca's story. One of the things that was very prominent was music. And they are fans of William Fitzsimmons. Not my favorite, has never been my favorite, but I got it that day because there were two. He had a new album at the time. It's sort of this melancholic kind of music. It's not really my, my stuff, but it, it, was, it was during this period. But there, there was one song that I will leave you with today. Maybe you'll look it up. And maybe the lyric is not totally appropriate to this, but the, the, the chorus is. And it's, I can hear your heart from here. And the other one that stuck out was Beautiful Girl. As I watched my magnificent daughter-in-law labor, I was incredibly, incredibly moved. And so I leave those two thoughts with you. And if I could sing right now, maybe I'd sing a little bit. I can hear your heart from here. I can hear your heart from here. John Paul Emanuel, Galino, Ava and Angelo Galino, I love you. Thank you so much, Stacey. That was beautiful. Thank you for being here today and for sharing your story and the story of John Paul Emanuel and really sharing your heart with all of our listeners. Thank you. It's my pleasure, my honor. Well, grandparents have a difficult task to support their child in his or her grief while trying to make sense of their own. While every grandparent's journey is unique, it's important for us to support them along the way. If you know someone whose child has lost a baby, reach out to them with a compassionate heart to let them know that they and their grandchild are remembered and that they don't walk this journey alone. Until next time, I'm Monica Alley with Anna's Grace Foundation. May your heart find hope and healing.